Anyway, before we dive into the message, uh, would you bow in prayer with me? Well, Lord, as we reflect on that song, that you are the God who's over all. Lord, we just want to pause for a moment and worship you. Lord, I pray for those today who are just struggling deeply with the question of where are you, God? And Lord, even as we as a congregation in faith want to declare that you are the God over all, Lord, I just sense today that there are many among us that are struggling deep within their own hearts and just struggling with where are you right now in the midst of their circumstances, in the midst of their pain, in the midst of what they don't understand, where they don't see you working, where they're discouraged. So Lord, all I can do is cry out to you. And in the faith we have together to just call upon your power, you being the God over all, that you will just speak your love and your presence and your care and your hope into each and every life here today. Lord God, uh, we worship you on this Pentecost Sunday. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will pour out in power over your people today. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you will use your word today to impact our lives. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will work beyond the words of dawn and allow your own voice and your own spirit through your word to speak to people's lives. Lord, we rely on you. We put our faith and our hope and our trust in you, the God who is over all, the God who is above all. Oh Lord, in faith, we make that declaration and we pray this together now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've been in a series for a number of months now called Healthy Church, Biblical Church, and we've been covering a lot of, um, of the big themes of the church in terms of how we become a healthy church as we move forward. Now, if you've been up here the last few weeks, um, one of the topics that we've been in is spiritual gifts. So to be a healthy church, we need healthy functioning gifts in order to be a healthy biblical church. So this is week three, and so again, for those of you who haven't been here, I will try to do just a brief review to kind of help bring us together to kind of where we're going with this, with this topic of spiritual gifts. Now, just before I go there, I want to I begin with a question today, a question that kind of brings together Pentecost Sunday and this discussion on spiritual gifts. So I have a quote, Dave, if you can bring up that uh, next quote from a commentary, and it says this, to many, Christianity is restricted to entering the kingdom through a rational acceptance of the truth of the gospel, followed by their labor to live according to the Bible. This is indeed an important ingredient, but Pentecost tells us there is something more. So my question for us today is, are we hungry for more? Now I recognize there are seasons in our Christian life when um, sometimes it feels like we are just living by faith. We're discouraged, the challenges of life are hard, we feel dead, we feel dry, and sometimes it does feel like it's just 
a walk of obedience or a walk of faith. And there's probably many times that you've cried out like I've had, I have, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And we struggle through those times. But what I want to encourage us today is that even though those are real times and those are hard times, that may be even where you're at today, the Christian life was not meant to just be a rational experience of truth and then just the long road of obedience. As much as those are critical parts, Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit, changed everything. God's promise that he no longer wanted to be just something out there for people to believe in, but that now he wanted to actually indwell his followers, live within us, to give us power, to give us life, to give us meaning. Pentecost means there's so much more. And my heart cry to all of you today is no matter how dead or dry or discouraged you feel, that's not the Father's heart for you. Now that doesn't mean that the Father is disappointed in you or upset at you or anything like that. Your Father loves you, but he died for you, he rose again for you, and he sent his spirit for you because what he wants for you, what he want, desires for you as child is for you to live the abundant life, for you to live free, for you to live empowered. You were not meant to live the Christian life by your own faith struggle, by your own obedience struggle. You were meant to live the life of Jesus in you, of the Holy Spirit in you, empowering you. He wants to empower you to give you freedom and joy and victory in your life. That's his heart for you. And so I just pray today that somehow, even through my lame words, that the Holy Spirit will speak and empower us and give us all a fresh new faith that will all say, Lord, I'm hungry for more. Maybe you don't even know what that is or what that means, but are we hungry for more? And so with that, we're going to go into week three of spiritual gifts and see how spiritual gifts can impact us individually and even more importantly, how spiritual gifts impact us as a church. So a couple weeks ago, we, uh, we started in the book of Romans and uh, we, we talked about kind of the foundation of spiritual gifts. And we discussed how the foundation of healthy spiritual gifts in the church needs to begin with humility, needs to begin with true self-awareness of who we are so that we can step back and let God be God. And so that, that important foundation. And then we talked about how the function of spiritual gifts is for to, under, to, to understand the very important metaphor that is used in the New Testament. And the metaphor for the church is a body, a functioning body. And the metaphor for spiritual gifts is that every gift is a body part. And so it's so important that we understand that each and every one of us is a body part. And the body doesn't function well unless every body part functions together. And it's just so critical for us to understand that if we're gonna understand the foundation of spiritual gifts. So that's kind of, kind of where we started in week one. Then uh, last week, we went to two other scriptures. We went to 1 Corinthians 12 and then to Ephesians 4. And those two scriptures started to give us more detailed lists of spiritual gifts. And we looked at how there are gifts that are often called the sign gifts and gifts that are called the equipping gifts. Now I have a, now I have a slide on that just for review so you can see them. It's the next one there, Dave. So you'll see from 1 Corinthians 12, the sign gifts. These are the ones that are the most controversial. 
in the church through the ages and still today. And these are the gifts that we talked a little bit about. Are these the kind of gifts that are gifts that one gets for life? Or are these the kind of gifts that the Holy Spirit puts on individuals at certain times and in certain moments to accomplish his goals through you or within the body? And we talked a little bit about that and we didn't quite answer the question, so I wonder how you did with wrestling that. that to think about that some more. So anyway, we talked about the sign gifts and their importance and how even in, within our denominational setting as Mennonite brethren, we do, even though these gifts can be controversial, we definitely believe and agree that these gifts are important and needed and need to be walked in with wisdom and yet they need to be released, and people with these gifts need to use them. And I think that all of us, at certain times in our life, may be anointed with some of these gifts. Think about that. So we talked a little bit about that last week, and then we went to Ephesians 4 to talk about what we call the equipping gifts. And these, uh, I had a, a, the, uh, the little asterisk I use there is apest, for apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, or pastors, and teachers. Um, these are often called the five-fold ministry. And remember, we talked about how these are less about titles or positions in the church. Whoa. And they are actually more about how we are kind of wired or gifted. And so we kind of went through each one. Like, like what are the characteristics of someone with apostolic gifting? What are the characteristics of someone with prophetic and so on? And then we had you all talk about and discern of those different ways, where do you fit? How are you wired? How are you gifted? So those were the sign gifts and, and the equipping gifts. Now let me just add one more thing to this teaching before we move on to another category of gifts. And that's a principle that I call the all, some, and few principle. And this is what I mean by that. Now when you, like when you look at those apest gifts there, and... Uh, you know, we can look at some of these gifts, and this, and this idea or this principle applies to so many gifts, and this is what I mean. I have to pick one to make an example of it, so I'll pick evangelism. Now, we know from Scripture that all of us as followers of Jesus are called to share our faith, are called to do the work of, of evangelism. So at one level, every Christian is supposed to be involved in evangelism. However, there are some people who will be especially gifted and especially good at that, and we would say that that person has the gift of evangelism. But then there might be a few that are so gifted in evangelism that it actually ends up being what they do and maybe even eventually becomes their vocation, and then we might call that person an evangelist. So do you kind of get the, the progression? A lot of these gifts will be, yes, at, at a certain level, we all, as followers of Jesus, participate or are called to fulfill the gift. And yet there will be those who will have a special spiritual gifting in that gift, and then again, there might be some that do it so often or so effectively that it may become their vocation, and we may then give them a title or a position. So anyway, it's, it's important to understand that principle as you think of all, of all the different gifts in the church. Because again, we can get sometimes hung up on a title or a position and not realize that we may have like the gift of shepherding. That may not mean that we'll ever be a vocational pastor, but we may have a spiritual gift of shepherding, and yet still everyone is called to a certain amount of care and shepherding in people's lives. 
So again, it's important to, to understand that principle when we think of, of especially these equipping gifts. So a bit of a review there on the sign gifts and the equipping gifts. And let me just say that what's going to be difficult in this for those of you that want all the, de- all the nitty-gritty details is you've got to keep this in mind. The key scriptures in the New Testament that list gifts are not meant to be an exclusive list. The lists given in the different scriptures are basically a list of examples of all the various gifts. So it's not meant that we are to only find the gifts in recorded scripture. There may be many other gifts that the early church had and talked about. We have example gifts. So it's important to study those scriptures clearly to know those gifts. But again, I just, we just need to understand that. And I know for some of you, you would love to have detailed definitions of every one. And I'm not going to provide that for you in this teaching time, but there are lots of great resources that can give you more detailed definitions if you need to understand um, you know, a little bit more in detail what some of the different gifts are. So, anyway, I think that's almost done with the review part. Let's move on. So, sign gifts, equipping gifts. So today I want to talk about another category that I will call the serving gifts. And to, go, and to talk about the serving gifts, we need to go back to Romans 12, which was the passage that we looked at briefly a couple weeks ago, and then we'll also look a little bit today at a new passage, 1 Peter chapter 4. So the, you see these on the screen, if you want to turn there, um, we'll just read these together. So Romans chapter 12, verses 6 to 8 says, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. Um, If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. All right, and then over to 1 Peter chapter 4, starting at verse 10, says... Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that, all thing, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. All right, so when you look at Peter's list, you see that he basically seems to summarize a lot of gifts just into two categories, right? He talks about the speaking gifts and the serving gifts. Now, do we know what exact gifts Peter has in mind? Probably not, but we might be able to guess. And perhaps he had um, a list similar to the Romans one in front of him, and he would have categorized those gifts as these are the speaking gifts, these are the serving gifts. So if you, if you go to the next slide there for me, Dave. So you'll see Romans 12, and the ones that were listed there, prophecy, serving, teaching, encouragement, giving, leadership, and mercy. Again, not to be, meant to be an exclusive list, but meant to be an example of the many gifts that are in the church. Now, I need to just briefly again talk about prophecy because of that list, that's probably the one that's the most controversial and the most misunderstood. And I need to remind us again that the New Testament context of prophecy 
is very different than the Old Testament context of prophecy. Prophets or prophecy in the Old Testament was primarily foretelling, whereas prophets and prophecy in the New Testament is primarily forthtelling. New Testament prophecy is primarily a gifting that is used to build up and bring encouragement to the body or bring encouragement to the church. In fact, one way to understand the prophetic gift or prophecy is really the idea of Holy Spirit-infused encouragement. Now, you might ask, okay, well, how is that different from the gift of encouragement? Really good question. I'm not sure I can answer that really well, but it's a really good question. I think that the gift of encouragement is more general encouragement, whereas, whereas the gift of prophecy would be a specific word from Scripture or from God by the Spirit used to encourage someone in a, for a specific reason in a specific way. Now, there is still, in a New Testament context, um, a part of prophecy that can be a word of rebuke or a word of warning. So that is there, but it's also, we've got, we've got to keep in mind, though, because the, that part of that gift has been so abusive historically in the church, um, I, I, I say it hesitantly for that reason. But I, want to, but I want you to know that that is a part of that gifting, but that's actually by far the minority compared to the gift of prophecy being for encouragement and the building up of the body. But again, the gift of prophecy in a, in a New Testament way is someone that has a special gift or ability that when they're thinking about someone, when they're praying for someone, that either a, a portion of scripture or a word from the Spirit um, gives them a word that will encourage or warn or help so that they can go to that person and say, hey, I've been praying for you, I've been thinking of you, and I sense this word for you, and they speak it out. And I've seen this gift be used so beautifully because often the person themselves is praying away, going, oh God, what should I do about this situation? And then someone knowing nothing about what they're praying is praying for that person and they get this word in their spirit of what, how they need to encourage them and they go and they say, you know, I don't know if this make any, makes any sense to you, but I was reading this verse for you and it says this and then they're just a puddle of tears because at that moment, God seems so personal to them. Because in that moment, it's like through my brother or sister that loves me, that gave me this word, it's like God spoke directly to me. And I think that's why when Paul says, eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially prophecy, because the purpose of prophecy is to build up and encourage the body. It's to make God personal and real and powerful for individual people. And so again, at one level, we can all prophesy. God's Holy Spirit can speak to you on behalf of someone else to encourage them or give you a scripture verse to encourage them. That can be beautiful. But some of you might have that as a spiritual gift and that's a gifting of yours and use it powerfully in the body. I don't know if we're ready yet to call anyone a prophet in our church. That would probably seem too weird for everyone. But still, let's use the gift even if we're not too sure about labels because it can be a beautiful one. So anyway, I think the other ones I won't get into again today, but I wanted you to once again get an understanding of what New Testament biblical prophecy is about and why it's so powerful in the church. So back to Peter's list. I think Peter is thinking of a list similar to this Roman 12 one when he talks about there being speaking gifts 
and serving gifts. And again, he's categorizing them that way because he wants them to be very practical. And so this is just me suggesting, but I would suggest that the speaking gifts may be prophecy, teaching, and encouragement, and that the serving gifts be giving leadership and mercy. And you know, the first week I talked about the whole idea of hierarchy and how sometimes in the church there's a real unfortunate vocational or religious hierarchy where we put certain gifts or certain positions above others. And just how horrible that is because that is not at all the heart of God. Every one of these gifts is so beautiful and so necessary for the body to function. You know, I just love that gift of mercy. If you've ever known someone with the gift of mercy who has come to encourage you, minister to you, or to pray over, over you when you're going through a struggling time, it is such a beautiful gift. And you know, leadership is one of those gifts that we often put on a pedestal. But you know, from a biblical, spiritual point of view, leadership is supposed to be a serving gift. Do you remember what Jesus said? Jesus said to his disciples, he said, you know what? We're not supposed to be like the Roman world around us where they use leadership positions to lord their authority and power over people. No, if you want to be great in my kingdom, learn to be the servant of all. That was the Jesus perspective. Leaders serve. They don't hold position to be important or to exercise power. They're leaders to serve. That's Christianity. That's when when natural gifting and spiritual gifting can come together in beautiful ways. So that's how, that's how Peter is trying to um, have us understand these gifts. So at this point in the discussion, we've talked about these serving gifts, we've talked about the sign gifts, we've talked about the equipping gifts. And there's so, so much more that we could talk about. But how I want to do the last part of my message today is I want to get really practical And I now want to talk about, so, how can you, how can we discern and or discover our spiritual gifts? So, I'm going to do my best to try to help us walk through some of that. Now, where do we start? I I don't usually quote from the message. The message is a paraphrase of scripture. But sometimes the author, Eugene Peterson, just kind of nails it in a cool way. And I really like how he... um, quotes here, Galatians 6, 4, and 5. And I just read it for you here. It says, Make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you have been given. And then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself with others. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. Interesting, eh? Make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you have been given and then sink yourself into it. So this really kind of sets me up with just how I want to just practically walk you through some ideas on how we can discover or discern our spiritual gifts. Now I know for a lot of you here, you have a pretty good sense of what your spiritual gifts are. You maybe just need some encouragement to be reminded, to be reaffirmed or affirmed in what those gifts are. For some reason, we sometimes take the humility piece and turn it into almost more of a, well, I can't talk about my spiritual gifts or I'm just some arrogant person. No, we can be confident in what our gifts are because they're a gift or gifts given by God. 
So if you know what your spiritual gifts are, you don't have to be weird about it. You can be confident and state and serve and work in what your spiritual gifts are. So I just hope that today, for those of you in that category, that can help you just be encouraged as you reaffirm what your gifts are. But there also may be some of you here today that you're going, well, I'm just, I'm just not sure at all. In fact, this whole idea of spiritual gifts seems either kind of weird or it's just something I've never really pursued much. Um, but, but you would say, I have no idea what my spiritual gifts would be. So I hope that this can help a little bit in that journey of discovering and discerning. So some of this is going to be very practical and probably not that profound, so bear with me, but I'm trying to be practical here for you. So step one in discovering or discerning your spiritual gifts, I would simply say, start serving. You don't need to start by having a long spiritual pilgrimage where you sit alone like a hermit for hours and ponder away, what are my spiritual gifts? Mm, what are my spiritual gifts? And wait for that moment when God just goes, boom, here's your gift. Might happen, likely not. I would suggest that the way to start discovering your spiritual gifts, just jump in and start serving. Now, if you're at a place where you're not even sure what you'd want to do, well, I would say, you know what, pick something that interests you or when you hear of a need in the church, right? So like the next time, for example, Jana gets up and says, we need volunteers at the center, I'm sure she would love it if some of you just took the risk and said, I have no idea what I'm getting myself into, but let's just do it and see. Let's serve somewhere. And that could apply in so many ways. You'll hear about needs in the church, or there might be a, a ministry in the church or in the community that interests you. You maybe don't know a lot about it. Maybe you're not sure whether that would be a good fit for you. That's okay. Try. Dive in and start serving. I, I think that's the best way. See, when we do that, we begin to discover what we're good at. We begin to discover maybe what we're not good at. And we don't need to see discovering that we're not good at it as failure. We see that as part of the discernment. I, okay, obviously this area of ministry isn't my gift. Don't do that one. But when I tried this other area of, of serving or ministry, I actually found some fulfillment in it. I actually found it to be a little bit of fun, even though I was supposed to be serving. Wow, how weird that would be. You see, it's important that we find that it's not just simply about what we're good at, but perhaps what we're fulfilled in. And I think one clue to when we start serving to understand if this is something that might be our gift is that if what we're doing um, fulfills us more than it drains us or stresses us, then maybe that's our gift. Now, I don't mean that that because something's your gift, therefore it'll be easy. Oh no, there's always work and risk and times we struggle, that, that's all normal. But at the end of the day, if something's your gifting, it should fulfill you more than it drains you. And so that, that may be just one test you can think about. The other thing when you're just trying to serve in different places to discover where your gifts might be is to make sure you're listening. Because people around you will give you some indication as to whether this fits you or not, right? And it may be the people you ser serve beside or the leader of the group or ministry you're serving in, or it may be the people that you're serving. 
And again, you, if you keep your ears open and stay humble and be self-assessing, you can get a pretty good idea of, hey, you know what, this is actually going pretty well and I'm, I'm feeling like this could be a good place for me to serve or perhaps the opposite. But we, again, we need to be listening, we need to be discovering, we need to be having that sober judgment we talked about the first week about ourselves. But again, I think it's so important to discover our spiritual gifts that as simple and as unprofound as this sounds, just do it. Dive in, start serving, and figure it out. And that, uh, that's, that's just such an important place to start. Okay, I could talk a lot more about that, but we'll move on. So secondly, and this is now where I'm going to contradict what I said before, along with just diving in and getting busy and doing stuff and looking for different places to serve, along with that, start to do your own personal study and personal reflection and prayer. That is very important for that to go alongside the action with the heart preparation. Obviously, it's important that as you're, as you're discerning and discovering and serving wherever it may be, that you're praying about it, you're thinking about it, you're, you're discerning it. Um, there's also lots of resources out there. I would encourage you, like online resources in terms of spiritual gifts tests, um, and all kinds of great books on spiritual gifts. And I, I think it would be really important to use some of those resources. I think even more important than that, though, is to start with Scripture. So I've outlined a little bit the four main New Testament texts that list the spiritual gifts. I'd say it would be extremely important to take time for you personally with God to read through those and think through them and pray through them, asking the Holy Spirit to highlight to you which one of these you're kind of drawn to or which ones you might want to explore more that might, that might be your gifts. So all, all of that is really important. Let me just say this about using additional resources. I think they're really good. I think you need to be discerning about that. I, I am, and this is just Dawn now, very much Dawn, personal opinion, but I'm, I'm a little leery of spiritual gifts tests. I don't think they're wrong or bad. I just think that they are just a very small, like, I, I'd be a little bit concerned for someone to just go online, find a spiritual gifts test, and then go, oh, I found my spiritual gift. I think that might be too, too limiting. Some spiritual gifts tests I find are almost more spiritual likes or spiritual interests. They, they may not necessarily be your gift. However, they can have a role and be helpful. So I'm not saying don't use them. I'm just saying don't make that your main resource. Just make that one small part. But they can be helpful. The other thing that can be helpful about a spiritual gifts test and some of those resources is that for those of you that want more detailed definitions about what all the different spiritual gifts are, a lot of those resources will have those for you so that you, again, can have more information as you're discerning. All right, so just dive in and start serving and figure it out that way. You know, personal study and reflection through scripture and other resources as you're praying through in that process. And then third... I would want you or encourage you to figure out your shape. Okay, so what's that about? Shape is something that I stole from a church called Saddleback, which is a big megachurch in the state somewhere. And uh, they use this acronym to help their people with kind of figuring out gifts, and it's been helpful to me, so I'll share it with you. But shape stands for, as you can see there, spiritual gifts, heart, abilities, personality, and experience. 
Now, I know we're just talking right now about spiritual gifts, but I would suggest to you that you don't discover your spiritual gifts in a vacuum of one topic. But in discovering your spiritual gifts, you actually need to do the work of figuring out your shape. And so I'll just walk through this briefly because I think it's been really helpful for me. I hope it can be helpful for you. But So of course the S is the spiritual gifts, just what we've been talking about, discerning and determining what you understand or believe you're gifted to do. So that's, that's, that's part of it. But I'll move on to the other one. So heart, this one's really important for you to ask yourself, what do I have a passion for? Now, as a pastor, this one's really fascinating to me. Because obviously, I, as a pastor, get to meet so many of the people in the church. And it's amazing to me how it doesn't take very long in, for me to talk to people to find out what they have a heart for, what they have a passion for. And I think it's beautiful. And I think that you need to listen to your heart. If, you, if there's a certain area of ministry or a certain need or a certain cause that you just have a real heart for, I believe that's God-given. And I believe that that's important, and that's important to the whole body of Christ. Now, one little warning here. Here's what's hard sometimes with heart. If we have a heart for something, and we think it's like really, really important, we assume everyone else should too. You know, so like if I have a real heart or passion for world missions, and that's my thing, and I like, you know, like that's awesome, if that's your heart and passion. But I know that sometimes, though, people might be like, but what's wrong with every, all these other Christians in my church that don't have the same heart and passion for that area of ministry as I do? And sometimes that can be hard because the thing that we have such a heart for, we could make a biblical case for every Christian should care equally about it as I do. But the reality of it is, is that we all have different hearts and we all have different passions. And so I'm saying, have your heart and have your passion, but also understand that others do too. And just because they don't share your heart, that doesn't mean that either A, there's something wrong with them or something wrong with you. But it's important to know what your passion is, what your heart is. And it's okay to gather around you the people that share a similar heart and passion. That's called community. And it's a wonderful thing and do that. But just realize that we are a body and there's just all kinds of different heart passions we're going to have for all kinds of different causes and ministries. And let that be a good thing. So anyway, lots to say about heart. Abilities. What are you naturally good at? Now sometimes with spiritual gifts, we're either leery or confused about this because we, we either want to completely pull natural abilities and spiritual gifts apart to be like natural abilities, well that's just that's just in the natural, and spiritual gifts, that's just in the spiritual. And yet often, for lots of people, there can be a real blur between their natural abilities and their spiritual gift. And they sometimes may not be able to even fully distinguish where one starts and the other begins because they're so enmeshed in them. And yet for others, it's very distinct. What their natural abilities are and what their spiritual gifts are are very distinct. I don't think there's a right or a wrong in that. But I think it's important that you understand how God has made you and wired you and, uh, and for you to, to understand how that works for you. It's so important. Let me just give you one quick example from my life. I know this won't relate to many of you because this is just my weird life, but this is how, how I, I came to understand this in my life. 
So my, one, one of the gifts that I have often used in the, church, the setting of the church is leading in worship. Now, for me, that gifting of leading in worship came from basically what I would call a baptism in the Holy Spirit time in my life where the Spirit of God just completely changed and shattered me and opened up a whole new, new way of living in, in power and fulfillment in my Christian life. And it was kind of through that time that worship became such a passion of mine that kind of out of that anointing and out of that passion, I became a worship leader and started to lead worship. So that's my story. Now, I know a lot of worship leaders who are absolutely fabulous musicians. And they have like natural ability as musicians that is just fabulous. But they also have the spiritual gift of being a worship leader. And it's so beautiful, those people that I know that are like that, to watch their natural ability and their spiritual gifting coming together in such a beautiful, unique way. And who knows where one begins and one ends, but God uses them powerfully because, again, they understand and they've worked hard on their natural abilities and they understand and they've worked hard on their spiritual gifting as they come together. Does that make some sense? And I just know in my story, it's really more about being a worshiper anointed by the Spirit. And so I use some very limited musical gifts to go along with that. But that's, again, it's separate in my case, totally melded together for others. And that would apply to so many different things. And you know, there's so many abilities. I look around this room. And some of you have abilities that don't relate to quote-unquote church ministry things, right? Right? You have strengths and areas and you go, well, how does that fit with ministry and spiritual gifting? Let me encourage you to press into that more because I think often it does. There's so often when, when I see people who have gifts of administration, gifts of leadership, craftsman gifts, gifts where people can, can vision things, build things, um, oh, I could, could go on and on. People that are, that are great at running a business have natural abilities and giftings that very much could relate to spiritual gifting. So I'd encourage you, don't totally just keep those separate, but, but see how your natural gifts and abilities can be used in the kingdom and may very much connect to what your spiritual gifting is. All right, so where was I there? That, that's the A, abilities. And then, and then personality. Now, if as followers of Jesus, we believe that we are created, we believe that God knits us together in our mother's womb, we believe that we're fearfully and wonderfully made, if we really believe that, then our personality matters because God has wired us in the very unique way that he created us, and it's good. And so I think it's important that you understand your personality and what makes you tick and why you respond the way you do. And you know, I think personality tests can be really good, <laughs> as opposed to maybe the spiritual gifts one I said earlier. And there's some very good ones out there um, that can help you understand your personality. You know, I have seen workplaces transformed when the staff all went through a personality profile because all of a sudden, they began to go, oh, that's why you do that. I just thought that you were really weird and whacked, but that's your personality. And they actually could deal with that person better when they understood. And same for self-realization. Sometimes we just think we're weird and whacked. 
And then we take, you know, we, we do the work of understanding our personality. We go, oh, that's why I respond to that person that way. That's why I get stressed about these things. That's why it's hard for me to take care of those things. And so again, understanding those base things about our personality helps us understand ourselves, helps us understand others, and it makes a work environment way better because teams can function so much better when they understand that about each other. And again, I've seen that true in the church. When we understand our personality and when we're in different ministries and serving, it's really important part of it. And then the last one there, experience. What experiences have come into your life both randomly and, and because as a follower of Jesus, you believe that God is leading your life and, and, and giving you and gifting you experiences in your life. And you look at all those different experiences, good, bad, and ugly, and you say, what have I been through? What have I seen? What have I felt? How have these things affected me? Those things all matter too. So I would really encourage you to, to think about what is your shape. Because I think that when you bring all of these areas together of who you are, God can speak to you and lead you and actually help you more clearly discern what your spiritual gifts might be. So that was number three, and the last one is really fast, and that is in this, in this progression, make sure that you include others in discernment. So the other ones were all more personal, you kind of figuring yourself out. But it's so important that as you're trying to discover or reaffirm what your spiritual gifts are, that you use others in discernment. So for example, if you are, if you are serving in a certain ministry or a certain area that you're serving in, um, perhaps go to the leader of that ministry and, and say, hey, would you sit down with me and pray with me and give me some feedback as to how you see me functioning in this area? Do you see this as being my gifting, you know? Like, or it could be that, at, you know, that there's a mentor-type person in your life, someone that you trust and respect to be honest with you. That's important. So maybe a mentor person or even just a small group of friends, but again, they've got to be people that you trust to be honest with you, and you say, hey, can we talk about this? Can you pray through this with me? And, and can you trust that they'll be honest enough with you to even if you think, oh, I'm loving what I'm doing and it's great, to be open to the fact that they might go, you know, that's really nice that you're liking what you're doing, but it, you're really not that good at it. I'm so sorry to have to say that, but you're really not that good. I don't think that's your gift. I actually see your gift lining up more in this way. And again, those can be hard conversations to have, but they're extremely important. Because remember, it's not spiritual likes, it's spiritual gifts. It's not ministry likes, it's what we're gifted to do. And you know, one of the sad things that often happens in the church, and in my experience of seeing church, is that, you know, we have so many places where we need people to do ministry, so many places we need people to, do, to volunteer, and that's good. It creates lots of opportunity. But, you know, when I, when I see people serving in an area, A, simply because they're wonderful, loyal, dedicated people, and they know there's a need and no one else will do it, I admire that, but it also makes me sad. Because I'd love to see someone in every ministry position knowing this is my spiritual gift. And yeah, that doesn't mean, again, that it isn't hard, et cetera, et cetera, but it still fulfills me, and I know I'm operating in my gift, and that's awesome. That's so good. But you know what? We also have to be careful, though, of, of not having gifting match ministry. 
even if someone likes it or maybe thinks that's a good match for them. We need the body and we need to have enough love for each other to be able to be those people for others to say, hey, I don't think this area is your gifting, but you know what, there might be another area. Let's walk together and discover that and figure that out so that you can be fulfilled and complete in who you are and to serve in the giftings that you have. So I think gift alignment is, is really, really important in so many areas. So anyway, um, how do I recap that for you? So just jump in, start serving, do that personal study and prayer and reflection alongside with that, figure out your shape, and make sure you include others in discernment. So that would be some of my practical help, I hope, and advice as to how we could begin the journey of reaffirming or discovering our spiritual gifts. And I just, again, pray for each of you. This could be so exciting. If we become a body here at Bridgeway where every body part is functioning, because there's a confidence and a joy and a fulfillment in knowing what our spiritual gifts are and serving in them. Like, you can't stop a church that gets that. It would be unbelievable. And so let's hope and pray and dream and ask for more. So back to my question from the very beginning. Do you want that more? On this Pentecost Sunday, do you want to go beyond head faith and just go through the motions obedience faith and have a spirit-filled faith that brings fulfillment and energy into your spiritual life and actually gives you a want to and a joy in serving because you're starting to discover your spiritual gift? Could that be possible? Could that be possible, Bridgeway Church? Is that too much to ask of our God? Is that too much to ask of us? Maybe. We are pretty weak and human, but that's why we need the Spirit. So I can't let a Pentecost Sunday go by without offering to pray for you to be filled with the Spirit. And so I want to give you that opportunity today if that's what's stirring in your heart. So I'm just going to ask everyone to just close their eyes and bow their heads. And again, I want, I'm asking you to do this just because I don't want this to be about anybody else looking at you or you thinking anyone else is looking at you. Who cares about that now? This is just between you and God. But if something in your spirit is stirring and even the smallest part of you is saying, oh, I need to be filled afresh and anew with God's spirit. And that might mean something a little bit different to each one of you. But regardless of that, something in you is stirring. I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Refilled with the Holy Spirit. However, that makes the most sense to you. So again, just keep your eyes closed and your heads bowed. And if that's your heart's desire today, then I'll just ask you to stand where you are.
And now I'll ask the rest of the congregation if you'd all please stand. Let's all stand together now. Okay, let's pray. Oh, Holy Spirit of God, we welcome you here. We started out with that song today. Welcome here, Holy Spirit. We acknowledge your presence among us. Lord, I want to pray right now for this whole congregation. Lord, no matter where they're at right now in their spiritual journey, I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you will pour out over them, in them, and through them. And Lord, I pray for those who are deeply struggling, that you will awaken their spirits again to you. Lord, I also want to pray for those who specifically stood earlier. And you all know who you are. And Lord, I pray right now, Holy Spirit of God, would you pour out on each one of those people who cried out to you and stood in faith. And I pray right now in the powerful name of Jesus that by the power of the Holy Spirit that you will be filled deeply and fully and powerfully. Oh, Spirit of God, I pray that you will reveal to each one of your children here their spiritual gifting. Lord, I pray that you would give them wisdom to discern it, that you would open up your scriptures to them to study well, and Lord, that you would open up their spirits to hear your voice and know your leading. And Lord, I pray that you would fan into flame the gifts of your spirit that are represented all through this room. And in the name of Jesus, we just declare that the gifts of the Holy Spirit that are in this room are going to be raised up and used for the empowering and the building up of Bridgeway Community Church and the whole community of Swift Current area. And we pray that in faith in the name of Jesus. Oh, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. You are here, and I pray, fill us powerfully, fully. Let this be your church. And I pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, you might as well remain standing because the worship team is going to come and close with the song. They're going to do a song that I requested, and I hear that it's not a song we do here, so I apologize. It might be new to some of you. But it's a, for me, it's a pretty old song. It's a song called All Who Are Thirsty. And the lyrics are simply, All who are thirsty, all who are weak, come to the fountain. Dip your heart in the streams of life. Let the pain and the sorrow be washed away. That's what the Holy Spirit does. That's what he wants to do in your life. So I hope these words and these songs will continue to just bring filling and empowering in your life. So let's sing together.